Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Well, today we finally arrive at that how question. So if you've been with us, we're doing this series called Reconciled, where we're looking at what does it look like for us to pursue reconciliation in our relationships. And we've, we've covered a number of things so far. And so if you haven't been here, you're jumping right in the middle, but you're hitting a, on a really good one that you're probably like, okay, this would be the one that I'd want to hear. Because like, how do we actually pursue reconciliation? So where we've come so far is week one, we started with the why, like, Okay, why do we even talk about this? Why do, why do we even pursue reconciliation? It's because that we have been reconciled in Jesus. He has come. He has given his life. He has laid down his very self for our benefit so that we would be reconciled with him. That's why we do that with one another. We embody this kind of reconciliation that we've experienced with Jesus. So that was week one. Then week two, we actually kind of defined more specifically, what is reconciliation? And what is it not? What what counts and what doesn't? Since reconciliation is the pursuit of restoring a relationship to healthy and appropriate and flourishing. That's what reconciliation is, but sometimes we can't have that. There are some situations, some relationships that are just not going to be reconciled. And we explored that. And we also notice the difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. They are different. We want to have forgiveness. We always want to pursue that. But we don't always get reconciliation. So we talked about that. But then last week, we, we started to tee up this question of how do we actually go after it? But we had to answer one more before we actually tackle it. And it's the who question. If we want to reconcile well, we've got to become certain kinds of people. And who is that? It's the people who are like Jesus, who are humble and others-centered. That is how we can actually move into reconciliation well, is when we become the kinds of people who are like that. This is the character that we need. And I would say that if we pursue that, reconciliation is going to go better over and over again. So we've answered those questions so far. Well, today, finally, we arrive at more of the practical how. How do we actually go about reconciling? So that's, that's what we're going to go after today. We're going to start this week and conclude next week with a kind of a two-part how we actually reconcile in our relationships. Now, to do that, what I'd like to do is I want to contrast it with something. Because I think we're, we're called to pursue reconciliation. Like Jesus is asking us to do that. But oftentimes, how we go about it is what we're used to. It's what we were grown up in. It's what we see everyone else doing. And that is actually not the way that it's supposed to be. So I think sometimes when we pursue reconciliation or or work through conflict is probably the better way to say it, we do two things primarily. Number one, we avoid. We avoid it. We just, we don't even go after it. Or or really, we kind of get passive aggressive or or something like that. We, We avoid reconciling. We avoid the conflict. That's some of the time. And maybe that's your default. But maybe you're the type of person who's like, no, 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 I don't want to avoid it. I want to do number two, attack it. I'm going to go after it. Like, we're going we're gonna to work this thing out. And sometimes you don't do it in the right way. Like, I think sometimes we, we see these two different ideas, avoiding 
or attacking as the way that we approach conflict. But what we've been learning in this series is that this, this is not the way for us. If we are Jesus followers, if we've committed ourselves to following his path, doing things his way, we're going to be different. We are not going to look like everyone else who maybe pursues it this way. We are called to look differently. So here's the big idea out of the gates this morning. We're to pursue reconciliation in the Jesus way. That's what we want to talk about today. That's the call. We want to pursue it in the Jesus way. Well, what? What does that look like? That's what we're going to flesh out. But when we do this, we are going to look different. We're going to be different. We're going to stand out. And this, this is part of the call. So we're going to dive into this. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a text, um, one that we've already covered before, but I'm also going to reference kind of this hypothetical situation. So my wife is sitting here. We're going we're gonna to use an example that maybe you could imagine we're, we're going through. So um, let's imagine that I am supposed to take out the trash. And by the way, in our household, I take out the trash. But I haven't done it. Okay? So like hypothetical situation. This never, ever happens, right? So like <laughs> hypothetically here, I'm, I'm supposed to take out the trash, but I haven't done it. So this is the context. This is the conflict that we're going to kind of trace all the way through this morning. So just hold that in your minds. My wife and I, we're fighting about the trash. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be looking at this text that we've already, re- already visited once, but we're going to flesh out a little bit more of the process. So if you're kind of getting used to your Bibles, there's two big sections of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18. The words will be on the screen here so you can follow along. All right, so beginning at verse 15. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. But if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Now, real quick, we've, we've looked at this, this already before, and, and if you remember, we talked about this last little bit, like what does it mean for us to treat someone as a pagan or tax collector? Well, a pagan or tax collector, these were kind of the people that were outsiders in, in Jerusalem at the time or, or in Israel. And so they were looked very down upon. Well, what Jesus is coming in is to say like, yeah, there needs to be a change in their relationship. There now needs to be a shift, no longer insider, but now outsider kind of idea. But how does Jesus treat pagans or tax collectors? With compassion? with connection. He goes and sits and eats with them. We looked at Matthew, a tax collector. What did he do? He said, follow me. I'm going to come have dinner at your house. This is the way that Jesus interacts with tax collectors. So there is to be a change in the relationship, but not one of condemnation, of ostracization, of marginalization. We're not to be doing those kinds of things. Rather, there's a change There's appropriate boundaries and a shift, and maybe there needs to be some distance, but there is still openness 
to the relationship. So I just want to insert that in there in case you haven't been with us or, or kind of fallen along. So what is Jesus talking about here in all of this? Well, what he's talking about is a process for how we're to navigate when we hit these moments of conflict. What, what are we to do? So what I'm going to do today is we're going to walk through kind of step by step or piece by piece, which is a little bit different than the way we normally do it. But I think we're going to just hopefully give some practical wisdom for how this looks. So number one, what's the first thing that we're to do? Here's what I want to tell you. Prepare and go. We're going to, we're going to prepare and we're going to go. And all of that starts with character. So last week, who? Who's the kind of person that reconciles? It's got to start there. So if you're in a conflict right now, there's going to be some valuable things that, that you can take away from this portion of it. But if you're not, this is where it starts. You are now preparing for your next conflict. Right now. You're not in the midst of it, but it's coming. It's inevitable. So what are we doing? Are we cultivating our character? And so if you remember, last week we talked about we want to be humble and others-centered. We want to be thinking about the other person. So if you didn't catch last week, maybe go back and listen to that on our website or our podcast. I'd encourage you to do that. But start with character. Because when we're cultivating the kind of character that Jesus wants us to have, when we're cultivating this sort of posture, the way that he is in our relationships, we will actually be able to navigate conflict so much better. We are not the kind of people who want to stir the drama, to cause more conflict. We don't want to, like, look at me and, and, and get everybody on my side. We don't do those kinds of things. Rather, we submit ourselves to Christ, and we say, how would you handle this? And, and we begin to become humble, thinking about the other person. And that leads us to be honest, courageous, Conflict's hard and takes courage to step up, not to avoid. I mean, it's, it's cultivating all these things. We become more trustworthy. So all of this starts with character. We've got to be pursuing character. So maybe to capture one key question to get at this, here is, here's this thought. Do we care more about being right or relating rightly? Do we care more about being right? I need to be proven, like, here, here's how you've wronged me. Do I care about being right or relating rightly? I want to make sure that we work through this together. Those are two different postures and lead us down two different paths. Again, if you come back to, like, our typical patterns, we either avoid or attack. And so that causes us to interact in the wrong kind of way in these conflicts. So are we cultivating the character to care more about the other person, care about the relationship, rather than, am I right? Am I being vindicated? Am I being proven like I'm the one who's in the right here? I think what happens is, if we want to be right, we're about getting even, we're about like one-upping one another, we're about like, how do I make sure I look good and, and diminish the other person? Like, that's the kind of thing that happens. So, take my wife and me, for example. I haven't taken out the trash she comes to me and says, hey, you know, I notice the trash is still here. And it's like, no, 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 no. You said you would do it. I'm, I'm not supposed to take it out. You, you're going to take it out. Now, again, by the way, I always take out the trash. So, yeah. But, like, I'm like, you, you said you would take it out. And, and then we go at it. And, and if I want to be right, what am I going to do? It's like, no, you said, and I'm going to, like, you don't remember, and you always do this. Like, 
That is the posture. Uh, yeah, right? Like, I want to be right. So, like, that's, that's the kind of thing that we're going to do when we want to be right. So, are we moving away from being right to relating rightly? Is that, is that my driving force? Am I focused on that? It's got to start there. So remember, this is all in the preparation phase. We, we've realized that there's a, a conflict that's come up. And so what are we doing? Or we're asking ourselves these kinds of questions. Like, what, what's the heart posture that I'm walking in with? Do I care more about being right or relating rightly? Okay, so we want to we wanna be pursuing reconciliation. What is it that we actually are going to do? Well, here's my suggestion for you. We want to pray Come to the Lord, we want to pray, and we want to get clear on the situation. We want to pray. Like, we, we start to sense, like, oh, there's something here. Like, okay, Jess is, you know, something's different. Like, she's kind of interacting with me a little bit different. Like, okay, what's going on? And maybe I remember, or maybe I don't. Or maybe in her shoes, she's kind of like, okay, he hasn't taken out the trash. I've reminded him a few times already, and he hasn't done it. Now what? So, all right, Lord, help me understand what's actually going on here. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What's, what's really bothering me about this? Because, side note, more times than not, the thing is not the thing, right? It's not about the trash. It's about, like, I'm not listening to her. I'm not coming through. Like, what's really going on here? Because we want to be talking about the thing that we're actually fighting about, okay? So we want to get clear and do that prayerfully. So that may mean you take some time, you journal you think out your thoughts, like just let me make sure I'm clear on all of this. Like what's, what's my beef here? And you, you come ready, come clear with what we're actually working through. So Jess, what she's doing is she's taking time like, all right, Lord, help me understand what's going on. Maybe jot a few notes down. And then what? Then what, what is she to do? Well, Matthew Matthew 5, Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount. He actually helps us see something that's really, really important. So he's teaching on a variety of things, but he makes this comment that's really, really helpful. So he's talking about offering your sacrifice at the temple. Verse 23 in chapter 5 of Matthew. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember that there's something your brother or sister has against you. So it's like, oh, it pops in your mind. It's like, okay, yeah, that's right. I remember something. What do you do? Verse 24. Leave your gift in the front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus, right here, he's like, he's reminded, like you're, you're about to walk into worship. You're about to come before God. And what's the most important thing you can do right then when you remember there's a conflict? It's leave. Go and be reconciled. Go work this out with somebody. So what Jesus is calling us to do is the moment we realize there's something here, what do we do? We go. We go. We move towards the other person. Now, you might need to take a beat, go slow and like work through, make sure I'm clear, like take your time on that. But what he's not saying is like drag your feet. Like, avoid it at all costs. Or like, no, no, no. When you realize there's something going on, you are now actively moving towards the conversation. 
That may mean you take a few, few minutes or a few days, get your thoughts together, approach it intentionally and carefully, but we're going to the person. And that goes for both sides. Whether you're the offended person or the offender, the moment you realize there's something that's not right in relationship, you take a step towards that person. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. So the moment that Jess realizes like, oh, he hasn't taken out the trash and now it's bothering me. Her step is to come towards me. Or the moment that I realize like, oh, something's not quite right, I take a step towards her. We go to each other. This is what Jesus has done. He comes towards us. He goes to us. Now, this go is not in a spirit of attack, like, here I come, like, ready or not. Like, that is not what we're talking about. We're coming in with a kind of spirit, a particular kind of spirit. And so, if we're preparing and going, then what's the next step, and how are we approaching it? Well, here's, here's the next thought. We're to come in to work it out, privately if possible. We're coming in with the idea that we're going to work through this conflict, The goal in Matthew 18, we talked about this last time we visited it, the goal is restoration. All the way through, what Jesus is talking about is restoring the relationship. So verse 15, if if a brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Here's that privacy thing. We'll get to that in a minute. If they listen to you, you have won them over. That's the goal. That's the heart. So we're coming to work it out. We're coming to restore the relationship. So that's what verse 15 is is all about. Now, often what happens here is the game is played in our culture, our context. Like when people have conflict, what do they do? Well, they're going to avoid it or they're going to attack, right? And so avoidance is kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to make my way around the office building so I don't have to see that person. Or or I'm going to be kind of passive-aggressive. It's like, oh, yeah, the kitchen, you know, there's something going on there. I don't know. It's kind of smelling a little bit. Like, maybe you could figure that out. Like, passive-aggressive, like, trash needs to come out. Okay. Or or we're attacked. It's like, here, you haven't taken the trash out. And, and you know, and you you get riled up. Like, this is not the way that we're to approach it. We're to approach it realizing there's conflict here. We need to work it out. And the relationship is the most important thing. So we're to come in trying to work it out privately if possible. So like what Jesus is talking about here is like just go between the two of you and see that you can work this out together. We're not to like spread this out. We're not to take this into to the circle around us or whatever because that, that would be gossip. And that's one of the things he's wanting us to avoid. I think when conflict comes up, one of the avoidance techniques or even attacking techniques is we'll, we'll talk about the person behind their back. We'll go to everyone else but the individual. So like Jess, if she's like, oh, Brian hasn't taken the trash out. And she tells all her friends, he didn't do it again. And, you know, like, what's going to, and suddenly, like, I feel all of these eyes on me. And it's like, okay, that's not helpful, right? We, we don't want to gossip because that just furthers the conflict. It deepens the divide. It causes deeper wounds. So we're going to go to the person and try to work it out without as much collateral damage as we can muster. So we're working it out privately. 
And what Paul talks about in uh, Romans 12 actually is really fitting here. So Romans 12 is an incredible chapter. There's so many bits of wisdom. We're going to draw from a few different parts of it. But he says here in Romans 12, verses 17 and 19, these words. Do not repay evil for evil. When there's wrong, don't return another wrong. Verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. What Paul's talking about here is that we, as our, as our tendency is to, to go after someone, we want to get even. When we've been wronged, we want that, that wound to be acknowledged, to be paid for. And oftentimes we take, our, take matters into our own hands. Whether we're avoiding it and being passive or aggressive, we're full on attack. We often, we want revenge. We want to get even, or we want to one-up the other person. I mean, that's even, there's even a phrase out here in our culture, like, don't get mad, get even. Like, no. Paul's telling us that is not the way to do it. Don't add wrong to wrong, because that does not move us forward. And he talks about the reason why. We're not to take revenge. We're not to take vengeance, because that belongs to the Lord. And what Paul is talking about here is that God has designed the world, designed creation to operate in a just way. Justice exists. And he's designed it to operate in a particular way. Back then, you know, in the Old Testament times when he first wrote these words, gave us these words, they, they, anybody could just do whatever they wanted to. And oftentimes it was like who could climb faster to, to one up the other until the other broke. But what God's coming in here saying, like, that is not to be the case with you. You are to be measured in control. We're not to just go to the furthest extent, ends of the earth kinds of things to, to get at one another. There will be consequences, but it is mine. And I will bring about the right kinds of ends. So justice matters. It belongs to the Lord. It's not in our hands. Now, there are some things where there's wrong in the world that we are to pursue justice. And we're not talking about those, those kinds of things. We'll, we'll address those down the road sometime. But what this is pointing to is in our interpersonal relationships, we are not to take revenge. God has ordered the world to be just, to operate a particular way. He wants us to operate within that by trusting him. Not taking revenge is an act of faith. It's an act of trust. We put Back in God's hands, this situation, by not taking revenge. So, we are to not take revenge. We're, we're not to operate in this kind of way. We are actually to work it out. And so here's kind of the, the principle that I think is, is we want to be striving for. It's not who's right, but what's right. It's not about who's right. It's about what's right. What is the, the right thing here? That's why vengeance is not to be something we go after. We need, we need to pursue what is right because vengeance is about me. So in this situation, Jess comes to me and said, hey, you haven't taken out the trash. And, and I get riled up. It's like, no, it's your turn. You said you would. And, and if I'm wanting to be right, if it's about me, then again, I'm, I'm going to do all that I can to come on top of her. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win the argument because it's about me. I want to win. I want to be right. Rather than what is actually right. If she did say, like, oh, I'll take out the trash. Like, okay, 
let's work that out and, and help each other remember how things actually happened. But likely, in this case, not. Like, I, I'm supposed to take out the trash, and it's not about me being right, but what is right. That's what Paul is pointing to. That's what Jesus is pointing to. And so how do we actually do that? Here's a couple of suggestions. So you're, about, you're stepping into the conversation. What can you do to live in this kind of mindset? First, listen. Listen and understand first. We talked a little bit about this week. More often than not, we want to be heard and understood. But the Bible points us to listen first and understand first. We don't want to like come in and it's like, here's what I'm going to say and I need to make sure that I get it out. Rather, we need to come in and say, I need to hear you first. So when she comes to me, my posture is not like, well, wait, 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 wait. My, my posture should be, okay, tell me what you remember. Tell me what we had agreed to. Why is that important to you? I want to be listening and receiving information. And we want that to go both ways. We want to have a posture that we are consistently seeking to understand one another. Because when you do, you're going to discover what are we really talking about? What's at stake in this conversation? And how can we maybe move forward together? So we want to listen and understand first. But then we can share honestly and gently. So she's expressed to me, like, yep, it's your turn to take out the trash, like, all that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, thanks for telling me that. I thought that I heard you say you were going to do it this time. And it's like, I'm remembering it happened here. Did I misunderstand or, or help me connect the dots here? And, and we do so gently. Now, maybe if it's like, clearly, I do remember. She did say she would. And I, I share that gently. Not like, well, you said you would, so deal with it. Like, no, it's, it's more like, okay, I remember this. Where am I misunderstanding? Where did I miss it? And we may come to a point where it's a bit of an impasse, like we just remember it differently. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. But like, what, what can we do to make sure that we're hearing one another and then we're expressing honestly? Now we're talking about a, a minor situation here, like trash and that kind of thing. But in a more serious situation, when there's like real brokenness, when there's real conflict, deep and, and, and kind of extending sort of thing, being honest and sharing might be really hard for you. You might not want to say some of the things that you're thinking. We don't do so in condemnation, but we should share them because that is loving to do. When we hold back, we're not loving the other person. And so that's why I put this third bullet point on there. We want to honor the image of God in one another. Doing so is valuing their, their personhood, their humanity. And what we want to do is we want to love one another as Jesus loves, which is unconditionally, full-on sacrificial. And sometimes that means we got to say the hard thing. Sometimes it means we got to receive the hard thing. But we want to honor one another in the conversation. Because it's not about being right, it's not about who's better, but rather we're honoring each person within it. So we're coming to a conversation about trash, and, and we want to make sure that we speak well of and to each other. We want to speak well to each other. We want to speak well of each other. We want to make sure that the way we're communicating is showing honor. If we're not, we're causing more conflict. 
we're causing more hurt. We're not actually working through it. So honor the image of God in the other person, whether you're the offender or the offended. And in serious situations, that can be really challenging. When the offender has done something very horrific or, or terrible, it can be really difficult to honor the, the image of God. And they are still made in the image of God. That doesn't mean we give them a pass. That doesn't mean we, we don't hold them to account. Like, don't hear me say that. What I'm saying is that we still honor them as a person. But we also do what's flourishing for me as the individual and the other party. That is actually loving. Okay? All right. So we want to honor the image of God in the other person. Well, what happens next? Let's say we're having this kind of conversation. Jess and I, we're trying to listen to each other and, and, and kind of name reality and work together towards a common ends. What then comes next? Here's number three. We want to work towards restoring solutions. We want to work towards restoring solutions. So let's say, for example, that um, Jess, you know, she's like, I really remember it this way. Well, I remember it this way. Okay, we think differently about this. We care more about the relationship, so what can we do to work out a solution? The easiest one is like, yeah, I'll, I'll take out the trash. Like, that's the right kind of thing. Even if you think you are right, it's like, no, you said you would, and I know it, but I'm going to take out the trash because you know why? The relationship is more important. And that works in this scenario. Like, it doesn't matter who takes out the trash. Just take out the trash because the relationship is more important. But if you're having this kind of back and forth and you can't really work through it, then maybe it's no longer about the trash. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But we want to be working towards solutions. And so here, Paul, back in Romans 12, captures this in, in verse 18. Here's a great principle, a great way to, to capture it. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What Paul is pointing us to here is we are to take responsibility. And we're to confess where there's wrong. So what, what we see here is that, that Paul, he, he's calling us to take responsibility. As much as it depends on you, what is in your camp, your sphere of influence, take responsibility for that. So in our situation, if, if I did say, like, oh, I'd take out the trash, but I remember her saying something different, like, I've got to take responsibility, like, I miscommunicated with you. I'm sorry about that. I, I should take out the trash. Or, or she's like, hey, I didn't remind you, and I said I would. Like, I'm sorry I didn't come through the way that I promised. Like, we, we own our portion of the situation. And more times than not, as we've already described, like, very rarely is it one person's fault completely. Like, it's 100% on them and nothing on me. The, in interpersonal relationships, oftentimes, we, we all contribute something. Even if it's like 80-20 or 90-10, some of these kinds of situations like are, are that. Sometimes it's 50-50 and it's really hard to navigate. What Paul is pointing us to here is we're to take responsibility for what we can. We're to take appropriate responsibility for what we can. And we're to confess where we're supposed to. And so when we do that, we are elevating the relationship above the problem. For the little things that are a part of that, it's like the way that I said that, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said it that way. I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm so sorry. 
That's the kind of thing we got to do in working towards these kind of solutions. So we take responsibility for what we can. Now, there are some things that we shouldn't take responsibility for. When, when there is a very imbalanced sort of, of reality here, like Jess, like, clearly, I said I would, now I'm not. She should not say, like, okay, I will take out the trash every time you don't. Like, that's fine. She, she may choose to do that, but that's not helping me actually move towards better. What she can do is encourage me and help me, but, like, I need to take responsibility. Like, I said I would, and I got to get better at following through on my word. That's taking responsibility. And she's not going to take more responsibility from me to make this happen. That's healthy. That's flourishing. That's appropriate. So where do we see this kind of reality? I think it's in, in Matthew 7. Again, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking to the crowds. And, and he's talking about like, hey, what, what happens when you know, you've got this kind of problem between you and, and you see you know, sins in each other's lives? Well, he's talking about this plank and speck idea. So Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the while there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly. You'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So what Jesus is pointing to is like we're to own what we can own and to take out the speck, to be responsible for what we can because then, then we'll be able to see clearer. So we're to, we're to confess. We're to say I'm sorry for the things that are appropriate for us to say I'm sorry for. We're to take responsibility and confess. So to move forward in the conversation, when we're doing this, what does it look like? Well, here's kind of three thoughts. Number one, forgive. Always be pursuing forgiveness. So when you hear someone say, I'm sorry, work towards that forgiveness. Sometimes it can be just like that. Sure, I forgive you. It's not a big deal. Other times it might take a while. If the hurt, if the conflict is, is a larger kind of situation, it may take time for you to work towards it, but work towards it. Get to that place where you can forgive them. And it's not even just for their sake, but it's more for yours. Again, like we talked about previous, forgiveness is a, is a releasing. It allows us to be freed from the prison of the wound, of the hurt. Forgiveness allows us to walk in freedom. Whether that other person acknowledges it or not, we move on. So forgiveness is so good for both sides. So forgive when there is the offer of confession. And then the next thing is to pursue change where needed. So back to the trash idea, it's like, okay, I consistently am not taking the trash out. Well, I need to work on something. So where, where can there be a change? Maybe I need to put a reminder on my phone. Every Wednesday, it's trash day. I need to take out the trash. That's one step that I can demonstrate change. And she can maybe help me. It's like, hey, what, what are the kinds of things that, that can be helpful for you to own this change? She might be able to do that with me. But there does need to be change. It can't just continue on with, with perpetual, like, oh, I'm sorry, and, and then no movement forward. That is not healthy. So change needs to take place. All of this is rebuilding trust. It's about rebuilding trust. Can I demonstrate over time, like, I'm, I am taking the trash out when I'm supposed to, and, and I'm showing that I can be trusted with this duty. 
I'm rebuilding trust. That is the context of healthy, flourishing relationships. So when we're working towards solutions, when we're trying to figure out how do we move forward, we want to seek forgiveness. I'm going to figure out how we can grant that to one another. And then we're to put in things that actually work towards change. What is it that I can do to be rebuilding trust? That's what we want to do. But what happens if things aren't going well? How do we actually like, move forward if, if we're having a conversation and it's really just like we're not getting anywhere? What is it that we're to do? Well, Jesus addresses this. Back to Matthew 18, one more time. Verses 8, excuse me, 16 through 17. But if they will not listen to you, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they still refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. So what we're to do here is if we're encountering continual challenge, we're to bring in others to help. We're to bring in others to help us. Now, sometimes like we just need someone to step in and kind of provide some mediation or, or some guidance. So what we want to do is we want to seek help when it's not going well. Now, I want to say right here, sometimes we are not to go alone to a person. And, and in severe sorts of situations, if there's abuse or, or, or severe kinds of circumstances, like don't even start going alone to that person. If it's not wise and safe to do so, don't do it. Go to this step. Or maybe not even that. Like you, you may need to not just bring one other person. You may need to go to the authorities or, or something like that. There, this process is one to help guide us towards principles. But sometimes we're not to go alone. Because every step after that first conversation, Jesus is kind of saying like, okay, don't go alone again. You need help. So seek help. Well, what kind of help? Wise and discerning people. What you don't want to do is you don't want to go find somebody who's just going to like be on your side. Like I don't call my mother and say, hey, Jess is making me take out the trash. And she's like, yeah, yeah, okay. That is not helpful. Don't, don't, I don't call my mother and, that, and my mom wouldn't do that. She'd be like, you take out the trash. What are you calling me for? Like that's what she'd say. So like don't, don't go find somebody who's going to join your side. The goal is not to get somebody who, who's going to you know, fight for you. Get somebody who's going to help you pursue reconciliation, whose goal is to restore the relationship in a healthy way. So when you seek out help, find somebody who's wise, who's discerning, who's trusted, who's emotionally intelligent. These are the kinds of things we look for from somebody who can maybe come alongside of us. And this may be a mentor. It may be a life group leader or just a trusted friend that you know could, to, could do this well. Or maybe it's a counselor. Like, you're maybe in, in the context where, like, this is a little more serious and we may need somebody who's got a pretty practiced hand. So go, go seek professional help, a counselor or a mediator. But there are times when the situation doesn't go well, even bringing others in. And so sometimes you do need to do this third thing, is bringing it to the church. Now, a trash issue probably does not need to go to the elders of our church. Like, we don't, we don't need to go work that out. But if we're still having issues after, like, meeting with a couple of people or something, it's probably not about the trash anymore. It's probably about our communication. 
or how we're treating each other, how we're relating. We might have deeper issues, and that, that warrants more professional help. That may even warrant some elder involvement. But there are times when we should bring it, and there are times we shouldn't. And if you're not sure, like, okay, when, when should I take it to the elders? Like, these are pretty serious situations. This isn't just like, okay, we've been trying to work something out and we just can't. Like, you just may need to find the right person, or you just may need to come to terms with like, okay, we're just going to operate differently now. But these, these instances where it's like, yeah, we need to bring it to the church, where it's serious sin, where there's serious brokenness, where there's things that it's like, okay, th- this is not healthy and it's damaging to, to us as individuals and to the community around us. Like, if you see it spreading, that might be a good indicator. But here's how I'll tell you to discern. Like, what it, when do I bring it to the, the church? Ask. Just ask. Ask us, ask me as pastor, ask one of the elders, or ask a friend, like, hey, should, should this go to, like, and more often than not, it doesn't. It may just be one of those things where we've got to just change how we operate or, or work through it in a different kind of way. Like, the elders, again, don't need to be dealing with trash disputes, Right? But what they do need to do is we need to come shepherd our community for its health and viability. And if there's something that's threatening that, then it might be warranted. But I'll tell you, 99 times out of 100, it doesn't need to go to the church. This is a very rare and exceptional kind of step. It's when there's gross sin or, or high levels of unrepentance, that's when maybe it comes to the church. So, This is the process that Jesus laid out for us. We start by preparing, and then we go. And we go with the Spirit to work it out privately if we're able. And we're working towards solutions, like how do we restore the relationship? And if we aren't able to do that well, then we bring help in to guide us in the way forward. But what about situations that don't quite fit in this box? What if you've got something you're just kind of like, I don't know where, how it might go, how it fits. Like, what if it, it doesn't seem to jive with all of this? Let me just offer you a couple of thoughts real quick as we wrap up. So if it doesn't fit, we want to wisely know when to divert. We want to begin to detect, like, when are the times when I, sh- I bring it to somebody else and when am I not? Like, again, a trash dispute, I should just, like, even if I really think I'm, I'm right, I should take out the trash. We should not let it get to that point. That kind of reality. There are times when you shouldn't start by going to the person privately. Again, in situations of abuse or harm, do not go to that person and say, hey, you, you've hurt me. Go to the authorities. Like, that is the right step. There are times when it's not safe to go to that person. So don't. This is not meant to be a legalistic rule that we follow. It's meant to be a pattern of wisdom. There are times we needed to divert from it. So just know, like pay attention to the reality of the situation. And when you're not sure, like how, how do I ask somebody? Like seek the wisdom of community. You'll know pretty quick after talking to one or two trusted, wise people how you might be able to move forward. So know when to divert. Use wisdom to do that. But then, let's say you're in a situation where it's like, okay, this doesn't need to go to the elders. I brought a couple people in. It's still not, like, happening. Like, maybe a situation in which somebody is just, like, staunch and, and they just won't turn. They're unrepentant. Like, what do you do? What do you do in situations that just, I'm not sure how to move forward? Well, here, 
Here's what you do. You release outcomes. You're not looking to make something happen. Again, we talked about situations where reconciliation is just not going to come. And so we come to terms with that. We release the outcome. And we say, all right, I'm just going to go forward. I think we continue to invite. We say, hey, I see this in your life. Like, I don't think this is good or, or this has hurt me. Like, you offer invitation, but then you leave it there. You just offer, you can't manufacture an outcome. You can't make a person do something. Reconciliation is a two-way street. It takes two people. And if one person's just not on board, then we release the outcome. We do what we can as far as it depends on us to be at peace. But sometimes it's not possible. And so we release. We release the outcomes. We release whatever could be. And we then work towards forgiveness in our own hearts. Maybe we can voice that to the other person, but maybe we can't. But forgiveness is a release for us. I forgive you. I'm no longer going to be defined by this wound or this hurt. And then, finally, we remain open, yet wise. I think we keep the door open if this person wants to come back and we can reconcile. If that's wise, great. Sometimes it's not. So we want to pursue it if it's not. But these are the kinds of things that should just be helpful indicators, helpful process for us to see, like, when do I pursue this and when do I not? So, church family, bottom line, big idea. We want to pursue reconciliation in the Jesus way. This is what the Jesus way looks like. This is what the map that he's drawn for us looks like. Next week, we're going to talk about actually walking the path. What does it mean for us to navigate the uniqueness of every situation? And how can we, how can we do that in a meaningful kind of way? But church family, here's, here's what we're called to do. We're to pursue reconciliation in the Jesus kind of way. When we do that, we're going to be different. We're going to look different. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We will look different. We're called to that. We're called to pursue it. In just a moment, the ushers are going to come forward. We're going to take communion. And communion is one of those acts that captures this so well. We have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus. We want to reconcile with one another. So let's take a moment to pray, and then one of our elders is going to come forward, give us instructions, and lead us. Thank you, God, that you have given us your word, that you have reconciled us to yourself first, and Lord, you have shown us the way forward. God, we trust you. We want to be like you. We want to reconcile the way that you want us to. So, Lord, help us to do that. Whatever the, the relationships are that we might be in right now where there needs to be reconciliation, Lord, would we come to you first? And would you show us the way that we can pursue reconciliation? Help us to do it, God. Help us to be motivated. Help us to overcome whatever the obstacles might be. We pursue you, Lord, as we pursue each other. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.